بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين قال المصنف رحمه الله تعالى وقائم غني وواحد وقائم غني وواحد وحي قادر مريد عالم بكل شيء we call these قائم غني these are the continuation of what we would call the attributes that negate their opposites we said that the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is something that is called the essential attribute, that is existence, that God exists. That's essential. It doesn't add anything, it doesn't mean anything extra than existence. But then beginninglessness, endlessness, being different from creation, and his attributes in his actions, all of these are attributes that negate their opposites. We mean by negating their opposites, that when we say Allah is without a beginning, it takes away any thinking of limitedness by time in the past. If we say that Allah is eternal, is endlessly eternal, it takes away, it negates any feeling or thought of being limited by time in the future. So the boundaries of time don't apply to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when someone asks you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or that's like kind of a of a question that was raised yesterday. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above the throne and he is uh, in, that, in that place. And we say to him, well, place is a creation. So where was he before the creation? Did he need to create a place to exist in it? If he needed to create a, a place to exist in it, then the place was a condition of his existence, which is false. The word different from creation, it negates or takes away any form of similarity between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and creation. Being limited by place, being inside a place, being inside time, being outside time, being attached to something, being far from something. And all the ayat that we find in the Quran that talk about the hand of Allah, the face of Allah, the self of Allah, when Sayyidina Isa ibn Maryam says, تَعْلَمُ مَا فِي نَفْسِي You know what is in my nafs. وَلَا أَعْلَمُ مَا فِي نَفْسِكَ And I don't know what is in your nafs. Does that mean that Allah has a nafs? Huh? When you say your nafs, it means entity. It means a creation. It means something that has a mass. You have a nafs. Your ruh has a mass. But that mass possibly is beyond our understanding or beyond our measurements. It is called mushakala. Mushakala is when you say to someone something and the other part of the sentence is in the same way in order to approximate the meaning to us. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about the disbelievers, وَيَمْكُرُونَ They plan. وَيَمْكُرُ اللَّهِ And Allah plans. Doesn't mean that Allah needs planning. Planning is needed for someone who doesn't, need, who doesn't know the future. What's going to happen next? So you have to, to plan around it. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they plan and Allah plans, meaning Allah puts their plans to faith. In Arabic, this style is very well known. You know, most of the co confusion that has happened in regards to the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has happened because of absence of uh, understanding of language. That's why they say, the one who doesn't study grammar, we don't trust their knowledge. You don't study grammar and balagha, 
We don't understand your knowledge. We, we, we can't trust that. Someone says, there is no metaphor in the Quran. There is no metaphor in the Quran. How come that there is no metaphor in the Quran? You know, they, there was a, a funny conversation between people who denied metaphor. They said, there is no metaphor in the Quran. And their leader was a blind man. They had a conversation with other scholars who said, no, some words in the Quran are literal and others are metaphorical. So at the end, when those group, this group that, that said, there is no metaphor, they were not convinced. The other group said to them, we will mention one ayah to you. If you say that this is not metaphorical, there you go. <laughs> so they said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَمَنْ كَانَ فِي هَذِهِ أَعْمَى The one who is blind in this world. فَهُوَ فِي الْآخِرَةِ أَعْمَى In Akhirah he will be blind. Is that metaphorical? <laughs> if it's metaphorical, that means their leader who is blind will physically be blind in the hereafter. If Allah says, whoever is blind here will be blind there. It means, if you say this is literal, it means you will be blind in the day of judgment. And if you say this is metaphorical, and it means who is misguided here will be misguided there, then if you accept that there is metaphor in this ayah, you accept that there is metaphor in the rest of the Quran. So sometimes people, because of their lack of understanding Arabic language, and they have not seen how Arabs speak, and how Arabs use the language, it becomes so dangerous for them to, to interpret. One of the ancillary sciences that are needed for understanding the Quran and, the, and fiqh and anything else is grammar. Knowing how the structure of the sentence happens. For example, I was explaining to the brothers and sisters yesterday, when we say that you are not allowed to touch the mushaf while you are in a state of impurity, and then we say, we mean by the Mus'haf, the Arabic Qur'an only. Not an app that is on iPhone, not tafsir, not translation. Why? From a grammatical perspective, <coughs> from a grammatical, not even from a fiqh perspective, from a grammatical perspective, they define Arabic speech as al-kalam, Arabic speech is al-lafub al-mufid, the spoken thing that gives a meaning. So a written thing is not considered to be kalam. So these traffic signs that we find around us are not considered to be speech, even though they give us a, they give us a message. When you have an arrow, say you turn left, turn right, go ahead, that's not kalam. Unless the person is unable to express and then he uses writing, that, that's considered to be his kalam, his speech. But generally, if someone is able to speak and then he uses writing, and this again, you know, relating that to something like divorce. If a person is able to speak and he divorced his wife by writing, we will not consider this to be direct divorce. We will consider this to be indirect divorce. So someone texted his wife, or emailed her, or wrote a message that is not direct divorce. We will ask him, what is your intention? But if he says to her, Talib, in Arabic, Urdu, English, French, German, as long as it's the, the meaning of the word what? Talib, we would not ask him what is your intention. You can't. It, that, it's not interpreted as anything else. But he says to his wife, get out of the house. You ask him, what do you mean? Do you mean to get out of the house? What do you mean? Divorce. Or he says, you know, I don't want to see your face. What do you mean? Do you mean that you don't want to see her face or you mean divorce? Hey. Because it, 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 they say, 
إذا تفرق إلى الدليل الاحتمال سقط به الاستدلال. When there is a doubt, a second meaning, we have to confirm what do you mean by that. So we said that in Arabic, الكلام the speech, the Arabic speech is it has to be loved, it has to be spoken. And then secondly, it has to be مفيد, giving a meaning. And then thirdly, it has to be مركب, made of more than one word. Whether this word these this more than one word are like more physically more than one word when I say for example the student is smart or it's a word that replaces two words like who's your brother Muhammad meaning Muhammad is my brother where are you going the masjid it means I am going to the masjid so one word but it has the meaning of it. and fourthly it has to be put in such a way by Arabs it has to be, in order to consider it to be kalam Arabi, Arabic speech, it has to be put, to be put in this way by Arabs. So if someone says, for example, reads, in the name of Allah, the gracious, the most merciful, that is not Quran. Why? Because it is not Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Because if you say this to an Arab who has not studied English, he will not understand what you're saying. So for us, what is considered to be the Qur'an is Al-Kalam Al-Arabi, the Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. That's why from a grammatical perspective, since we don't consider this to be Kalam Allah, because it doesn't fit, you can touch it. But since we consider only the Mus'haf to be Kalam Allah, then... So, فَاللَّهُ مَوْجُودٌ قَدِيمٌ بَاقِي مُخَالِفٌ لِلْخَلْقِ بِالْإِطْلَاقِ And then he said, وَقَائِمٌ Independent. What do you mean by independent? That he subhanahu wa ta'ala does not need a creator. He's independent. Each and every one of us. We don't have absolute independence. We are in need of, of what? We are in need of someone to give us a, a reason to exist in this universe. Our parents. We cannot imagine ourselves without the existence of our parents. So they are cause. We are an effect of a cause. And we can be a cause of another effect. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the causer of all causes. He is independent. He doesn't need creator. And he does not need an essence. What do you mean by needing an essence? I can't describe you as ill or tall or short unless I imagine a head. Unless I imagine an entity for you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not need any of this. The attributes don't add anything to him. The attributes add to us. The attributes define who are we. I say, Fulan is Egyptian. So and so is British. So and so. These two attributes relate us to places. So I can imagine if someone is English, I can imagine certain characteristics, I can imagine certain features, I can imagine certain language. When I say so and so is learned, so and so is not, it means I can imagine certain level of knowledge. If I say so and so is knowledgeable, and then I can imagine something the absent. But when I say Allah subhanahu wa taala is all knowing, I can't imagine that this has been acquired. I can't imagine that this was preceded by lack of knowledge, and then he became all knowing. When I say Allah subhanahu wa taala is speaking, Allah has the speech kalam. When I say Tariq is now speaking, it means he was silent. Or he will be silent later on. He can't continually be speaking. 
But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has always been speaking before the creation of the universe. But what he does subhanahu wa ta'ala is he removes the barriers between the hearing of some human beings and allow them to hear that which becomes revelation. He has always been speaking subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because if someone says Allah stopped speaking, it means there is no command and running of the universe. But he commands things to become and he commands things to disappear and he commands things. It, we, we, we cannot imagine an inactive God. Like some rationalists who said Allah put a system in the universe and let it run by itself. Then what type of inactive God is that? Like placing a system and saying run like that. There is no maintenance in the universe then. No, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands the word kun fayakun always continues. وَقَائِمٌ غَنِيٌّ وَوَاحِدٌ He is also, he is independent and he is one. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. We mean by one, he is one in his entity so it is not divided into parts. We are not one in our entities. You look at yourself, you have a hand, you have a leg, you have a face, you have eyes, you have hearing. If you lose any of these parts, your entity will be incomplete. That functional, that, func that functional part will not be used anymore, so you imagine a disability. But for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He subhanahu wa ta'ala hears without a tool, without a machine, without ears. He sees without eyes, subhanahu wa ta'ala. He does things without being in need of a hand to move things. He moves things without being in need. He subhanahu wa ta'ala runs things without having to have a tool that helps him. He does, his power doesn't need to be upgraded. Attributes you need. If, if, I, want, if I want to lift up this, this, this cup, I lift it with one hand. If I want to lift that, the table, I will use both hands. If I want to lift something bigger, I will ask someone to come and help me. He subhanahu wa ta'ala can move an atom in the same way as he moves a mountain. He doesn't need to upgrade his power or move his power from one side to another. And he is one in his actions. He is one subhanahu wa ta'ala in his actions. The way he creates thousands of people is the same as he creates one individual. He can hear all of us asking him for our needs at the same time and he will not be distracted by one from another. But you can't hear three people at the same time. You can't respond to them at the same time. You can't answer them at the same time. You can't attend to their needs at the same time. But he subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's, that's the meaning of oneness in his actions. And he is living. Uh, and they said, living is an attribute that makes knowledge and power meaningful. You can't imagine a powerful and knowledgeable unless he is living, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, and this, this attribute is essential. Well, again, you know, when people say, he has created the universe and then disappeared. No, he's living, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Powerful. He is able. He's, he's, he has power. He's able to do any, anything and everything. You know, the question, the rhetorical question that people, some people ask, can God create something that he cannot move? <laughs> well, creating it is more difficult than moving it. So if he creates it, then the, this question is incoherent question. He is willing. And this is a failure where Aristotle was unable to, this was a, a, a secret he was unable to answer. When, the, when, when Aristotle and, and Plato, these Greek philosophers, thought of what we're created from, 
they came to a conclusion, one of them came to a conclusion that we are created from something that is called the original or the primitive substance. That primitive substance takes shapes and it becomes human beings. It takes shapes and it becomes animals. It takes shapes and it becomes the earth. It takes shapes and becomes uh, the planets. It takes shapes and it becomes the stars. So when he was asked, this original or primitive substance, this al-madda this substance from which we are all created, what has made it take these different shapes? He couldn't answer that question. Why has it just decided in this point in time to become like this and to become like that? He couldn't answer that. He didn't understand that behind that there is a, a mover, there is a God who has, with his power, he has shaped it in different forms. And he is willing, because he is willing, he decided, subhanahu wa ta'ala, to make your creation or to make your birth at this moment, but not one day after and not one day before. Your death, not one day before and not one day after. So the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is not forced to do anything, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So no one can challenge and say, well, God doesn't want disbelief? Okay. And then he says, I'm going to be a disbeliever against the will of God. No. Even disbelief, even disbelief is within the will of God. But it is against the displeasure, the pleasure of God. Allah doesn't like that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows in his universe. It's like, you know that your son will fail in something and you know that you can see it, but you don't like it. Allah said, So if someone commits disbelief or someone disobeys Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is within the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Otherwise, within his universe, things will happen against his will. And he is all-knowing. So, We said before, We said, these five attributes is what we would call the attributes that negate their opposite that negate their opposite and then being one living powerful willing all-knowing hearing seeing and speaking these attributes living being powerful Willing, all-knowing, hearing, uh, seeing, and speaking. These seven attributes from uh, living, powerful, willing, and all-knowing, uh, hearing, and speaking, and seeing, these are called affirmative attributes. These are the affirmative attributes. Sami'un al-basir wal that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all-hearing. When we say all-hearing and all-seeing, does that mean, and, and, and since we're saying that all hearing, hearing happens without a tool of hearing, and seeing happens without a tool of seeing, does that mean that he subhanahu wa ta'ala, hearing is separate from his seeing? No, it is not. But for us as human beings, what relates to sounds, we call it hearing. What relates to images, we call it seeing. So these attributes make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala perfect to us. Show the perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to us rather than to him subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have to understand 
that the names of these attributes make sense to us, but the realities of them are completely different from their names. The realities of them, there is something in Arabic we call al-mushtarak al-lafzi, the, the, the kind of the verbal words that are used for two different entities or two different meanings that are completely uh, divorced from each other. Like when the, the Quran talks about pomegranate in Jannah, there is no relation whatsoever, whatsoever, between the reality of pomegranate in Jannah and pomegranate in this world. No way. What is common between them is just the name. Just the name. Well, there is something different? In a, in a fig, for example, say two. You mean where? In this world? No, in paradise. Or like, there, there is something different, like yes. They wouldn't have different names. Yeah, there is something different, but you say there is something different because you always compare it to the pomegranate and the fig in this world, there is something different between them. Mm. But possibly, the realities, definitely the realities of that would be completely yeah. different. The Prophet ﷺ said, فِيهَا مَا لَا In paradise, there are things, like things that no eye has ever seen. Well, when you see something, and then you see something similar to you, say, I saw something similar. No, the Prophet ﷺ said, you have not seen it. Or you haven't seen even something similar to it. So what we're talking about is the reality. It's like, I'll give you an example. In Philadelphia, in the States, I met this guy who is not a Muslim. He's an African-American guy. His name is Mustafa. And he's, he's not a Muslim. He's wearing a hat and thobe because there is a big Muslim community in Philadelphia from the African-American community. And it's quite an interesting city. It's a city where a lot of Salafi converts who became dua later on became very famous like Khalid Yassin and these guys. They come from Philadelphia. Like This is like the stronghold of Salafism in this city. So when you see this guy Mustafa and you compare him to a Muslim whose name is Mustafa, the reality of both of them is completely different. But what is common between them is the name. What's common between them is the name. So obviously you will, you will find that the realities are actually, there's some common reality as well. Both of them are human beings. <laughs> but that's because we are talking about the real of the seen things. But in the realm of the unseen, things are completely different. In last, last Jum'ah, I was given the khutbah in Iman Foundation in East London. And I was telling people, we were talking about the keys of relating to the unseen. One of the essential keys of relating to the unseen or knowing the unseen is that the laws that apply to the seen world do not apply to the unseen. Full stop. So anything that you talk about that belongs to the unseen, you can never apply the rules of the seen world to it. Sometimes we will say, uh, the ruh, can the, the, the soul travel distances? Yeah. You don't apply to the soul. The soul, is not a, the soul in that world is not a mass that, is, that takes all the laws of speed and slowing down, and doing this, doing that. So when some people say categorically, oh, the soul of so-and-so was in this place, you can't say that categorically. Even if you are the most knowledgeable person, you can't say that categorically. Because categorically relates to cate categorical confirmation belongs to Sharia. It doesn't belong to Hakiqah. 
It doesn't belong to haqiqa. Why? Because haqiqa or reality or spiritual realities are individual experiences. While sharia is collective experience. I can tell you in sharia that you have to pray. But if someone has seen the Prophet in his dream, I believe him. But he can't actually say that this is something confirmed upon the whole community. It's a personal experience. Even if the, the Prophet delivered something to him in dream, I wouldn't take I would respect the person's truthfulness, but I wouldn't take that as uh, as a sharia. I will not take that if he says, uh, tell all Muslims to recite Surah Yasin because, for example, tell Surah, uh, all Muslims to recite Surah Yasin because they're coming ahead like difficult times. Okay, I can say to him, look, reciting Surah Yasin is part of the Quran anyway, so we recite it as part of the Quran, but we don't recite it because of your dream. Your dream is, is for you. You have seen the dream, go and recite Surah Yasin yourself. Because now you're moving from an experience you witness as an individual to making it a law. You can't do that. Imagine if someone says, I have seen in my dream that the uh, legislator in the UK has lifted up the uh, traffic lights. Anyone can drive anywhere. But fine. Unless that happens in reality, I will not take that seriously. So he subhanahu wa ta'ala is all hearing, he is uh, all seeing, and he is speaking. It's an eternal attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, meaning He subhanahu wa ta'ala has always been speaking, which sometimes manifested. Yes, go on. Shaykh, in some translations of the Quran, it says that Allah is sitting on a throne. Is that something to actually have what we don't understand how? Or is it an incorrect kind of Here is the approach of dealing with what we call the verses that lead to some anthropomorphism understanding. Here is the mistaken way of dealing with it, and here is the proper way of dealing with it. The mistaken way of dealing with it is to say, yes, he's sitting on the throne, but we don't know the shape of that throne. That's wrong. Why is that wrong? Because you have now given your interpretation, you confirmed that it's a throne. When I say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the hand of Allah, say, yeah, he has a hand, but we don't know the shape of that. You have to deny but the how. You have said, I don't know the how. And not knowing the how is a confirmation of a how. For example, I say, I don't know how Abdul Qadr is, how Abdul is today. That means he has a how that I don't know. And a lot of people, some people of this interpretation, they will call him a man. And they mistakenly call him a man. He said, Establishment is known. Well, faith is known. The faith is not known. No, he Imam Malik didn't say that. And this is one of the palaces. Was Imam Malik said, Well, faith, the hell, غير معقول. It's inconceivable. Meaning, you cannot conceive a how for Allah, because the how is one of the characteristics of beings, of created beings. So, what is the proper approach? Is to say, the word istiwa, being established has various meanings in Arabic language. One of its meanings is to overwhelm something, to own something. When I say, for example, I have established myself in the house. It doesn't mean I sat in the house. It means I've taken the, the ownership of the house. So you say, has various meanings. Definitely the literal meaning is not meant. 
because that would bring him subhanahu wa ta'ala to this event. Which of the rest of the meanings? One of the approaches is That's one of the tests of him. I leave that to Allah. I can find it completely to Allah. So, same thing with the hand. I say, the hand has various meanings. One of its meanings is this control, is grace, is favor. When you say, I have a hand with him, when you say, I put my hand with him, and so he said, it's within my hand. He said, it's within the reach of my hand. It doesn't mean literally within the reach of your hand. So you say, and obviously it means the jari hand, this hand that has got fingers, or regardless of its shape. Hand for you has five fingers. Hand for an animal has a different hand of another being can be different shape. So you say, definitely the literal meaning is not what is meant here. Because that will bring you within that scope of the great being. But which of the rest is meant? Allah knows what he It's one that, like, kind of leaving it completely. Another approach for people who have some learning is to try to understand it within the context. So when he says, those who give you pledge the hand of Allah is above, is above their hands, it would mean Allah is confirming or accepting. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when I say to you, for example, I have given him, I have given him a hand, it means I have helped him. That's an approach some people would prefer, and the other is an approach some people would prefer. But the first one, that's where we have a big question mark. Because you would say, Oh, he has a hand, but I don't know the how this hand. It's just like saying, Far is wearing clothes, but I don't know the color of his clothes. Color is a half. Shape is a half. Size is a half. Your state is a half. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not accept states. Because states is one of the attributes of creative beings. You're sleeping, you're waking up, you're moving, you're, you're still. That's one of the attributes of beings, creative beings. Imam Malik said, that they have is not conceivable. Meaning, like you cannot imagine a have because this is not the area of applying it. He got through certain attributes of Allah in regard to his foot and the hand. How it is in the originality, like you said, should that be so conceived to put you then. Which level of people? So, you know, I think it's the last chapter as far as I know. Yeah. As I'm saying. He got through certain attributes for the person of the generates about the foot and the hand, etc. Not because I remember exactly how it How do you then sort of interpret that? If, if, you, if you look at each one of them within that uh, phrase of Arabic language, you will realize that it is either interpreted, it is either interpreted as something that is suitable for the context, or you will just say that it's the idea left of Allah So for example, when I say I have to put my foot in, Arabs say, and this, this, this is an Arab, this is a pre-Islamic Arabic poetry. Qatshamumarat, a man is, is, is describing war. So he said, Qatshamumarat an saqiha fashuddu, it has rolled up its leg so be strong. 